The Lord is good. We're grateful for many blessings. I enjoy this time of the year. When it comes to weather, I typically will take the fall. I enjoy fall weather. When it comes to thinking about the calendar of life and history, I'll take the spring any day. I'll take the, the season we're in right now as a wonderful blessing and privilege. And I'm sure you noticed the scriptures that were read, including the, uh, the story of the crucifixion, trial and crucifixion and death of Jesus. And we, as a congregation, we do commemorate that with communion on Good Friday evening. I look forward to that. But today is another day in church history, in the church calendar of events. And so this morning is not going to be as much of an expository sermon as it is just for biblical literacy. I would like for our children, I would like for anybody who comes through the doors of our congregation to when they're here, learn more about the story of Jesus in the Bible. And that's what today will be. I'm going to get uh, the children to help me out in a little bit, in a little bit of a reenactment. But before we go into that, I haven't said it yet, what is today? Somebody tell me. Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. what does that mean? Why do we call it Palm Sunday? Okay, triumphal entry of Jesus. Where did Jesus go? Entering what? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And why Palm in Palm Sunday? Branches, yes. They spread branches. They cut them off the trees and they were waving. They were, it was a celebration. So what I would like for us to do today is we have... Now, there's four different passages with just slight variations in the story that is told about that event. Two of them are very, very similar, Matthew and Mark. They're actually the first 11 verses of respective chapters in those books. Luke adds a few additional details, and John has his own story. The, the story does not essentially change, but the story does have different details highlighted. So what I'd like for us to do this morning, I'd like for you all to assist me in reading one of those passages from Mark 11. I have it on the screen, and then I'd like to capture just a little bit of detail from Luke. And so on the third screen, there's going to be two verses from the Luke passage. Let's read those together as well. So all together from Mark 11, verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, 
and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said to them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Okay, thank you for joining me in reading there. That's the story. There's a few other details of context that I would like to add to that. And uh, I'd like for you all, when we get to the part of the story, we're going to reenact it. I'm going to have this screen up for you. These are the four quotes given in the Gospels, the four different accounts. You will see the similarity there. And what I would like for you all to do is to together read this entire piece. It's going to be somewhat repetitive, uh, but that's what the crowd is saying. The Scripture tells us that, that the multitude was saying these things. It was a large gathering of people. So children, I'd like for you all to come forward and join me. And if it's helpful for a parent to come along, please bring a parent along with the children. Uh, I don't mind if the young ones come and they can have supervision. The disciples were, uh, I suspect, in different shapes and sizes, although they probably were pretty fit from walking all over Judea and Galilee. I was thinking about that as part of the context. Children, come on up. Join me up here on the front bench. You all sit down a little bit. We're going to talk just a wee bit. Actually, I tell you what, we need to be on this bench. Come over here. We need to start on this side. Oh, we got lots of children. Okay, some of you might have to sit on the floor for a little bit. You want to sit on the, come over here. Here's a chair. Let's sit up some chairs. This will work. Is there room? Um, you all can sit down here. I think we can squeeze a few more on the bench. You want to sit on a chair? Is the chair better? Okay. There you go. You want to sit here? Right here. There you go. All right. Xander, I bet you can scoot in right here. You want to sit up there? Very good. Thank you all so much for coming up. 
Now, you know, Jesus was walking, he was teaching, and he'd been doing this for about three years, and his disciples were with him, and they walked a long ways. And, and so if you think about how far he would have walked, how many of you know where Cleveland is? Do any of you know where that is? Kind of. You know where Teleco Plains is. Mm-hmm. Robert, how far is Teleco Plains as the crow flies from here? 25 miles, maybe. It's mostly mountain crooked between here and there. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to this in a little bit, but that distance is roughly what Jesus would have walked going from Jericho to Jerusalem, or roughly Cleveland to Athens, Athens to the Loudoun exit. It's roughly, it's, you wouldn't just decide, oh, I'm going to walk there. We wouldn't. They did, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but it took some time to do it. So in this, as we go through this story, they actually did way more walking than what we could, and it probably would have taken up a lot of a day. I don't know how fast they walked, uh, but if someone hikes five miles an hour, they are clipping it. They are going really fast, and at that rate, it would be at least four hours. So I'm going to assume that you maybe are going to be hike, or they're going to be walking a little slower than that. It would have taken a good part of a day. So think about this. How many of you know the story of Jesus and his friends Lazarus and Mary and Martha? Do you all know that story? That story happened right before the story we're talking about today. And do you know, what, tell me what happened. What happened there with Lazarus? Was something real special that happened? No. Yeah, it was. What was it? What happened? Do you know what happened? What happened to Lazarus? He came alive. Why did he come alive? Because he died and Jesus made him come back to life? Yeah. So that happened in Bethany, and that's part of our story. And so if you can imagine, let's say, Teleco Plains, way over there, close to where Robert's family lives, they go on a, the disciples go on a long walk from there. They're coming over this way. And about two miles, let's say over here in Etowah, be a little closer than that actually, that's where Lazarus lived. And that's where that happened. So on this journey, they're going to come through there. Now there's a couple of other things that happened on the journey right before this happened. How many of you know the story of a short little man that couldn't see Jesus when he wanted to? What was his name? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. We can say it how we want, I guess, can't we? He's not here to tell us. Would you like to be Zacchaeus this morning? You don't want to. Who wants to be Zacchaeus this morning? I need a Zacchaeus. It's not scary. It's not hard. I just need you to do something for me. I'm going to volunteer one of you if you don't volunteer. Someone want to? Here, Logan. Can you do that? Okay. Sit on the bench over there for now. Okay, so there's different things that happen in this story. And Logan's going to help us with one with Zacchaeus. 
But there was something else that was really interesting. And I'm going to get Christian to just sit right there. And I want all of you to stand up. And now we're going to go on this journey pretending it's disciples and Jesus, okay? And our journey is going to go around the auditorium here, okay? I'm not quite sure how often we'll go around. We'll not make it too often. But they walked a lot further. As they were leaving Jericho, you know what? There's this guy. Here, close your eyes. He can't see. And he wants to see. Do you know what his name was? Does anyone remember? It was Bartimaeus in one story. And another gospel tells us there was two of them. Do you know what Bartimaeus said? He said, Lord, help me. I want to see. And Jesus comes over and he heals him. There's more details than that. Okay, get up. You know what happened? Bartimaeus gets up. And he goes along with the crowd. So let's go on this journey. And we're walking along, so let's see. Come, everybody walk this way. Come, let's see. Xander, stand right there, kind of in the middle, right here in front of Chrissy. Come right here. Come right here. Walk right in here. Austin, I need you to come up here, kind of get a little bit in front of him so we can't see him. He's actually hidden in the crowd. Keep coming. We're on this journey. And now, all of a sudden, here's a short man. He can't see Jesus in the middle. What does short man do? Yeah, look at that. He's going to go up there. He's climbing a tree. Keep coming. Zacchaeus, what are you doing up there? Don't know. You want to see Jesus? That's why you're up there? Good. And Jesus says, come down. And let's go to your house. So I don't know if Jesus took a break or what, but in the Gospels, somehow this was, it was a part of this same time frame. Okay, so we're going to pretend Zacchaeus goes along. I don't know if he did or not. The Bible doesn't say. But let's keep going on this journey. Keep coming. So now we're walking from Jericho, and we're going out of Jericho, and we're going towards Jerusalem. And this is actually a long hill. You, you all know Star Mountain over here? It would be more than that. We'd have to be climbing higher than that mountain as we're going on this journey. And we're going along, and we're coming around. This is getting kind of long, but it really was a long ways, and they were having all kinds of conversations, and Jesus was teaching them, and they went through this big wilderness area where I think they kind of, they kind of lost some people, maybe some stayed behind, but as they started getting closer to Bethany and Bethphage, you know what happened? There was more people. Lazarus was there, and these were friends, and they knew about Lazarus. And all of a sudden, there was this big crowd of people, and they were there. And Jesus said, hmm, I need two disciples. Oh, I need another volunteer. Who would give Xander a ride on his back? Is there someone here that wouldn't mind crawling and giving Xander a ride? Y'all are so timid today. Hmm, what am I going to do about that? Jonathan, would you give Xander a ride? You wouldn't? Oh, dear. Who will volunteer to give Xander a ride? I need a volunteer. David, thank you. David, could you go over here? Uh, Kind of there by Bryant would be good. Okay, now I need... Keep coming here. There's going to be a couple things that happen. We're getting close. So... I, when, G, when they got close to Bethany here, Jesus said, I need two disciples to go over there and get that donkey. 
Now, David's not a donkey. He's just going to give Xander a ride, okay? So I need two disciples. Eric's gonna, Eric and Felicity, why don't you come? Come here. Come over here, and now we're going to get this donkey, and Jesus is going to ride on it. Xander, you want to ride? Come here. Come. I need your help. Good job. Come over here. We're going to let you pretend that you're Jesus, and you're going to get a ride on David. He's going to be like the donkey giving you a ride. Okay, now, guess what else they did before they start crawling? You see this bucket here? The Bible says that they got palm branches, and they waved it. So I want you all to come get one of these leaves, and then come up here in the middle aisle with me. Sorry, David, if that's too tiring, you can take a break. Okay, y'all come up here once you get your branches. Okay. Okay, why don't you all start, you stand right up here. Come here, Joe. Stand right here. Make kind of a line on this side. There you go. Step back. Keep back against the bench. You know, step back a little bit. You know, back, Katie. Back against the bench there. There you go. Back a little bit. There. Okay, Justin, why don't you come over here? We'll start on this side. We're going to have two rows of branches here, okay? So come on up here. We're making two rows. Now, I don't have, it's kind of warm. I don't know how many of you brought coats. I didn't bring a coat this morning. But, you know, when this was happening, they were taking coats off, and they were throwing them down in the pathway, and they were making a place for, they were making a place for Jesus to come through. Okay, let's make two rows. You want to stand over here? Come over right here along this side. Okay, scoot on out there. Now look, here comes Jesus on the donkey, and everybody's saying, Hosanna. So why don't you all read what's on the screen here? Wave your palms. Wave your branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he. Okay, very good. So that's what happened, and now they got to Jerusalem. That's how they went into Jerusalem, and there was this big crowd of people, and they were waving branches and praising God. And what they were recognizing, do you know what Hosanna was saying? Do you know what that meant for them to say Hosanna? They were saying, God, save us, help us, and they were wanting deliverance from their oppressors. You all did such a good job. Did it, is it prickly? Did it break? Oh, okay. All right. Why don't you all take those back to Miss Judy? Thank you for bringing those, Judy. And then you all can go back to your parents. Thank you, Xander. Good job. You can go back to your parents then.
Well then, somewhere I lost my clicker. If anyone finds it on the way to Jerusalem, let me know. I don't know where it got to. It's not in my pocket. Okay, we'll do without it. So that's the story. What I find fascinating is that there are many, there are many, oh, here it is, it's on the front bench. There are many details that are not told in Scripture, and we just don't know what will happen. And, and the reason I wanted to bring in Bartimaeus, the blind man, Zacchaeus, is because it's all recorded just right before. If you look in Scripture, in some of those stories it says, when this happened, the next thing they did is they went on up to Jerusalem. And so we don't have all those details, but my imagination uh, enjoys thinking about those things and seeing them. The part we didn't read was as Jesus came to Jerusalem, and I want to show you a couple maps. Some of you saw this when I, I presented on Palm Sunday before, but as they came around the Mount of Olives, they had a very clear view of the temple. The Kidron Valley is very steep, and you just look across from the Mount of Olives. I can imagine, in fact, the maps show the road coming around the mountain. It would have not gone over the peak, but you come around it, and all of a sudden, as you come around the curve, here's Jerusalem, here's the temple. And Jesus weeps over the city, and he says, you, had, you missed the day of visitation. The Messiah came, and you missed it, and he was very sad. And one of the accounts talks about him going into the temple and driving out the money changers and rebuking them for having made it a place of commerce and thievery rather than a house of worshiping God. So I'd like to just show you a couple of graphics for reference just to understand the story. On this particular one, you'll see that Jericho is 850 feet below sea level. And Jerusalem is, what, 2133, so a difference of just shy of 3,000 feet. For reference, this location is about 750 to 800 feet. If you look at the flat mountain over here, it's 2,300 feet. So that's only a difference of 1,200, no, I'm not doing my math right, uh, 1,500 feet roughly. So it's, if we went on top of that mountain, the flat mountain here, wouldn't be as much. If you go to Oswald Dome, the one I have highlighted up top, that's the next one just below the Hiawassee River. That one's about 3,000 feet. So it's about a 2,200-foot gain from here. So if you can imagine, that's the kind of journey they were on. That's the elevation difference that was happening Here's what I was telling you about the, the road coming around the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives up here in the upper right. And as you come around the curve, here's where I imagine Jesus somewhere in this area being able to see the temple, being able to see Jerusalem and weeping. Here's a little bit better graphic maybe as far as the topography. Uh, but this, this side of the temple wall was rather large and steep. It was, it was built right on the edge of that mountain. On the, that was the top of the Temple Mountain there that 
to this day, people fight over that piece of land, and currently there's a mosque on top of that somewhere. I don't know exactly the exact location. Real quickly, I'd like to just look at a couple of lessons from Palm Sunday, things that I think we can take away. The first one is that when people meet the Messiah, they have an inner compulsion to praise the Lord. When you meet Jesus and you understand how much you have been given, forgiven, from what you have been saved, uh, this, this thing of Jesus, the disciples rebuked Jesus and told him to tell the people to be quiet. He just said, I can't do that. If they wouldn't praise him, if they wouldn't be praising God, the rocks would cry out. These people, they were just spontaneous in their joy and peace. They were expressing their hope that save us, God. They were calling out to the Lord to save them, to bring the Messiah. But I think for us today, as we go through this Passion Week and we remember what God has done, let's allow that to those thoughts to fill our hearts and minds and to be thankful. If you're at a stage of life where you don't feel all the joy and wonder, then consciously make the choice of saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. And choose deliberately to thank him for his goodness and his provision. The second one is that God will be glorified even when men refuse to cooperate with him. I do wonder, I don't wish this on those people, but I do wonder what would have happened if God would have made the rock start singing and shouting. That's maybe kind of mind-boggling for those of us who've never seen rocks do that, and I haven't ever done that. I don't imagine any of you have. Rocks are inanimate. They don't have lungs. They don't have vocal cords. And yet our great God could do that, and he said, this is so dramatic, this is so important. If they wouldn't do it, the rocks would be. God will be glorified. We may as well cooperate with him. It's more fun. We must remain strong even when the multitudes are changing. And this is more of a big picture. When I think about what was happening, and we don't know the details once again, but think about the multitude coming with Jesus into Jerusalem. They came through Bethany. Many people had watched that, that raising from the dead. They knew Lazarus. They knew he was dead. They knew he was in that grave. And Jesus brought him out of there alive. In fact, it says that the Pharisees wanted to kill Lazarus as well because many people believed on Jesus based on the miracle they saw with Lazarus. And this all happened just right in this time frame. So you think about that multitude, those people who were believing. I don't know if that was the same crowd that on Friday was chanting, crucify him. But I can't help but imagine there was at least some overlap. 
Even if there was no overlap, you had two different crowds. And I think the application for us is, do we change when the crowd changes? It's nice when the crowd is agreeable and friendly and thinks like we think. How is it when they don't? Do we still stand by Jesus' side? And the last one is that the failure to recognize the work of God results in tragedy, referring to the Jewish people, Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. I'm going to read those verses from Luke 19. As he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. And then he quotes scripture here. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. The Jewish people had the Messiah come to, him, to them, and they, many of them failed to recognize him. The good news of that story is that many did come to know him. As you go through the book of Acts, many people did believe, thousands of people believed on him, and the church grew. So are we in tune with the working of God today in our lives? If we fail to recognize that work, uh, if we fail to recognize it in the larger picture, or maybe the inner promptings, the working in our own lives, what is the result? We end up missing what God wants to do. I believe the correct attitude, the correct approach as we come to God is my stuff, I call it my stuff, it's actually not my stuff, it's God's stuff. I'm just a caretaker, and I will answer to him. It doesn't even matter, it does matter, but it doesn't change the reality if I don't regard it as the Lord's stuff. It's still his, even if I don't acknowledge it. And my time is actually God's time. He can arrange my schedule as he pleases, Every day is an appointment with God and his plans for our life. Lessons from Palm Sunday. I have a number of other things, but we are out of time, and I am going to pause there. I'm just going to flip through this quickly. The events of the next week in the church calendar, I'm not going to read them all, but if you walk through scripture and you read, you will find each of these things documented. And of course, on Friday, there's a lot more events that happen there. But we end up with next Saturday being a day, or the Saturday between the crucifixion and the resurrection. In scripture, that was just kind of a quiet, sad day. There was no, there's not really any record of it other than they knew Jesus was in the tomb. They thought he was. But Sunday came. They found Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's the end of the story that I think even a week early we need to celebrate. Jesus is alive. The grave could not hold him. His power is greater than anything else. Jesus wins. 
Satan loses the battle. That's where we're headed. That is the outcome. And what Jesus did in his death and resurrection was the beginning, I think, that was the major marker in that loss for the devil and the victory for the kingdom of God. So as we go through this week, remember these words of Jesus. This do in remembrance of me. Uh, he tells us to remember him at the Lord's table. Remember his story. Remember what he has done for us. So I trust that this little revisiting of just the events of the week before or the week of Jesus' death and resurrection can be helpful. And I want to encourage you all to set your minds on him, to walk with him this week in sadness at times maybe, but don't let it stay there. It ends in great joy. Let's pray.